Hello and welcome to the 2024 BMJ Sexually Transmitted Infections podcast series. I'm Fabiola Martin, the BMJ STI podcast editor, a sexual health and HIV specialist based in Australia and lecturer at School of Public Health at University of Queensland. You will recall our podcast about the rise of syphilis in 2023. Today, we will focus on the alternative treatments of early syphilis. Worldwide, many of us have experienced a shortage of gold standard treatment, benzatine benzyl penicillin injections for syphilis. As you know, syphilis is caused by Treponema pallidum, a bacterium that is transmitted horizontally through close sexual contact and vertically to unborn babies and neonates and can cause neurosyphilis in adults and congenital infection in babies with tragic consequences. It is time we look for alternative antibiotic treatments and prevention strategies for syphilis, so I'm honored to have the opportunity to discuss these themes with Jeffrey Klausner, Professor of Medicine, Infectious Diseases and Public Health at the Keck School of Medicine of the University of Southern California. Welcome, Jeff, and thank you for making time for us. So you're based in Los Angeles today. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your scope of work, please? Hi, I'm a clinical researcher with projects in Botswana, South Africa, Peru, Vietnam, and Los Angeles. I study new ways to prevent and treat sexually transmitted infections like syphilis. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Our listeners, Jeff, are familiar with the standard drugs of cure for syphilis. But what alternatives to penicillin therapy are currently available to treat syphilis? Yes. Oral doxycycline is the recommended second-line therapy, and many observational studies, including the work of our team in Peru, have demonstrated that doxycycline is as effective as penicillin. Unfortunately, it is not possible to prescribe as directly observed therapy like a penicillin injection, which is of public health interest. Adherence to oral antibiotic home treatment for two to four weeks can be challenging for some, especially when the patient is asymptomatic. However, in my experience, most patients adhere well to their medication when they have been provided with relevant health information about the importance of completing the full course. In addition, doxycycline is not recommended in pregnancy and children because of the adverse outcomes observed with tetracyclines a closely related but different chemical compound. Currently, we're looking into ways to study the safety profile of doxycycline in pregnancy and young children. In Japan, oral amoxicillin with probenicid has been the first-line treatment until only recently when injectable penicillin became available. Clinical studies have shown that this therapy is safe and as effective as benzathine, benzyl penicillin, and is safe in pregnancy in children. Another alternative is daily ceftraxone injections for 10 to 14 days to treat early and infectious syphilis, which is often not an easy regimen for most patients. We need more research in this area. Only recently, we completed a pilot study of an oral form of ceftriaxone, cefixime, 
twice daily for 10 days in 27 patients and found that 87% were cured. I am also very excited about linazolid, a very safe and widely available oral antibiotic which has recently been tested in humans. Thank you, Jeff. This is really a concise and uh, helpful summary. So you mentioned linezolid, a recently published phase three randomized controlled trial on linezolid versus benzathine penicillin G was published in the Lancet. Do you mind providing us a little bit of a summary or information about that trial? Sure. That trial was conducted by Spanish investigators, and they had developed the trial based on the success of linazolid and oxololidinone that has high tissue penetration with activity against treponemal pallidum in vitro in the rabbit model. In Spain, they conducted a multi-center, open-label, non-inferiority trial to assess the efficacy of linazolid 600 milligram tablets once daily for five days home treatment versus standard treatment with benzathine penicillin G injection. In total, 59 patients with early syphilis were randomized one-to-one. The overall response rate was 70% in the linazolid group versus 100% in the standard treatment group. That difference of 30% did not meet the non-inferiority criteria of linazolid compared to benzathine penicillin G injection. Amazingly, that study is one of the few randomized controlled trials investigating syphilis in the past two decades and marks a pioneering milestone because to the best of our knowledge, it was the first randomized controlled trial to assess the clinical efficacy of agents that are not beta-lactams like penicillin or cefixime or macrolides like azithromycin in the treatment of syphilis. Our next step will be to explore a longer and higher dose regimen, linazolid 600 milligrams twice a day for 10 days. Thank you, Jeff. This is really interesting. And as you said, one of the few, I mean, I I don't even know how many there have been RCTs uh, in investigating treatment for syphilis. And uh, you may have seen our podcast uh, about doxypep and doxyprep as a prevention strategy for syphilis, so pre- and post-exposure prophylaxis. Could you share your views on its rollout at population level? Doxycycline post-exposure prophylaxis, or doxypep, is a very exciting and promising new tool against bacterial STIs such as syphilis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea. As many know, there's no vaccine for syphilis, so routine testing and treatment is the best public health intervention, but requires a well-funded public health system. Sadly, in most countries, syphilis control programs are very poorly funded or don't exist at all. The idea that doxycycline could be used to prevent syphilis after condomless sex is not new. Doxycycline has been used for decades to prevent other infectious diseases like Lyme disease or malaria. Around 2012, 
Dr. Bob Bolin from the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center, and I decided to study doxycycline as prevention. We published a successful pilot study in 2015 that was followed by investigators in France and the United States who conducted larger controlled trials showing that doxycycline, 200 milligrams, taken up to 72 hours after sex, had a 70 to 75% reduction in new syphilis cases. In October 2022, San Francisco became the first health department to issue population-level recommendations for the use of doxycycline for syphilis prevention. In general, European countries have been a bit slower on the uptake, but in 2023, Australia issued its own doxypep position statement, and now Germany has also its own recommendations. The major concern, however, about doxycycline has been whether it might drive antimicrobial resistance in humans. However, if we consider that tetracycline antibiotics, like doxycycline, have been used since 1953 for over 70 years and are widely used in humans for treatment of acne, for example, and even more commonly used in poultry, beef, and fish production, to date, there has been zero evidence of treponema pallidum or chlamydia trachomonas resistance to tetracyclines. Of course, we need to continue monitoring for resistance. Other organisms like E. coli or Staph aureus have shown substantial resistance to doxycycline. But luckily, doxycycline is not the first line of treatment for these conditions. Overall, the potential benefits of targeted population-wide approach to doxycycline for syphilis prevention outweighs the potential risks, and we can monitor those risks. I am eager to see data that looks at the impact of doxycycline PEP rollout on the epidemiology of syphilis at the population level. So am I, Jeff. So are we all. Um, so, um, you know, what else can be done to ensure detection and management of the of doxycycline resistance after PrEP? Unfortunately, to date, we cannot directly isolate treponema pallidum from patient samples because of contamination with other organisms. And sterile samples, like cerebral spinal fluid, is rarely obtained. It's too invasive and they often do not have sufficient bacterial load for culture and propagation. Therefore, currently detecting mutations on the 16S RNA gene of the treponema pallidum against antimicrobials could be considered a way of predicting treatment failures. However, even with this method, a thorough and comprehensive identification of existing unknown resistance mutations may not be identified. It's important to prioritize ongoing research into the detection of treatment failures of any bacterial STI, but especially syphilis in people who have received doxycycline prophylaxis. Thank you so much, Jeff. And that was a beautiful summary of uh, what other options we have and maybe new trials or even research projects that need to be um, funded. So we have come to the end of our podcast. Here with me today is Jeffrey Klausner, 
Professor of Medicine, Infectious Diseases and Public Health at the Keck School of Medicine of the University of Southern California. And in summary, we discussed alternative and potential novel treatment strategies of early syphilis in adults and pregnant people. We also discussed concerns about potential antibiotic resistance of treponemal pallidum in the dawn of doxypep, which was actually quite reassuring. Many thanks to you, our listeners. Please feel free to join our previous episodes on your preferred platforms, Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify, and please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Also, my special thanks to our ever hardworking and wonderful BMJ podcast team. We'll be back again soon with another 2024 BMJ STI podcast episode. Until then, goodbye, and we wish you a healthy and safe 2024.